for the reading of God's Word. Um, this may go into a series. I'm not one of those guys that plans out and knows what he's doing in December of next year. But when I get one of those sermons that turns into a tar baby, you know, the, the longer you chew, the more it gets. So I'd, I'm saying this out loud so I can hear myself and convince myself not to be in a hurry. Um, but I want to speak to you this morning. Um, let me read our text first. I'm sorry. First Peter 2, chapter 1. If you're there, say amen. Now this is to the believer. So be done with every trace of wickedness, depravity, malignity, and all deceit and insincerity, pretense, hypocrisy, and grudges, envy, jealousy, slander, and evil speaking of every kind. Which means that that's behind you now. Let's, let's, th- those are the basics. Just stop, stop doing those things. But like newborn babies, you should crave, thirst for, uh, earnestly desire the pure, unadulterated spiritual milk that by it you may be nurtured and grow into com- unto completed salvation, which just means you work alongside of the salvation of God that's been given you. We were saved, we are being saved, and we shall be saved. Come to him, to Jesus, then to the living stone. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, unto salvation. Since you've already tasted the goodness and kindness of the Lord. Verse 4. Come to him. Then to that living stone which men tried and threw away, but which is chosen and precious in God's sight. Come and like living stones be yourself built into a spiritual house for a holy, dedicated, consecrated priesthood to offer up those spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable and pleasing to God through Christ Jesus. For thus it stands in Scripture, Behold, I'm laying in Zion a chosen, honored, precious, chief cornerstone, and he who believes in him, here's what belief means, who adheres to, trusts in, and relies on him, shall never be disappointed or put to shame. To you then who believe, who adhere to, trust in, and rely on Jesus, is the preciousness. But for those who disbelieve, it is true. The very stone which the builders rejected has become the main cornerstone, and a stone that will cause stumbling, and a rock that will give people offense. Mark that in your Bible. Christ is an offense. To the world. So if we present a Christ that is cool or hip or that the world has a connectivity to, it's not the one that was holy and separate and divine. And it doesn't mean we present him as negative, but it's a stumbling block of offense. What verse was I? Sorry. Eight. And a stone that will cause stumbling and a rock that will give men offense. They stumble because they disobey and disbelieve God's word. And those who reject him were destined and they're pointed to do as such. But you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a dedicated nation, God's own purchased special people that you may set forth the wonderful deeds and display the virtues and perfections of him. Display the virtues and the perfections of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So there is no saved and continue in darkness. That's the evidence. It's not the walking out of darkness that saves us. It's the walking out of darkness is the evidence that we have been saved. Once you were not a people at all, but now you're God's people. Once you were unpitied, but now you are pitied by God and you've received mercy. Beloved, I implore you as aliens and strangers and exiles in this world. Mark that down in your Bible. 
strangers, aliens, and exiles, to abstain from sensual urges, the evil desires, the passions of the flesh, your lower nature that war against the soul. Conduct yourself properly, honorably, righteously among the Gentiles, which means the unbelievers, so that although they may slander you as an evildoer, they may be witnessing your good deeds come to glorify God in the day of inspection when God shall look upon you wanderers as a pastor or shepherd looks over the flock. You may be seated this morning in the presence of the Lord. And if I can ask one more courtesy of you, if you will just pray for me as I pray for myself this morning. Father, I just position myself and humble myself before you. And it's not by rote. It's by an awareness of how holy you are and how holy I am not, except for your imparted righteousness. I know that I have no ability, no strength, no capacity to help anyone in any way outside of the anointing of your Holy Spirit anointing me to preach your word. And so that's what I'm asking today. Use me as a conduit, Lord, of truth uh, and clarity. Don't let any of my weaknesses or my immaturities hinder me from speaking your word in the way that it should. And let it find its place deep in our heart. Let us become more and more like you through the entrance of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. We are in an age, a dispensation, I firmly believe the terminal generation before the return of the Lord, where in the West, we are battling with something that the rest of the world is not battling with. How do we walk the fine line between this world and the next? How do we walk the line between holiness and caring for the world? How do we acknowledge, you know, love the sinner, hate the sin? In third world countries, there is no such line. When you side with Christ, you are hated of all men. Loss of homes, loss of life, loss of employment. Prison is as common there as you not being invited to lunch here. Just as common. Heard the testimony of a pastor who just got back from China and he went there to teach and preach and teach on leadership. And he said he got to the place, and I'm summarizing where he just stopped from his notes. He said, Listen, just do not become who we are. So there still remains for us the how should we live. If you look at social media or you watch Christian television, you'll have everyone tell you everything from we should be in the middle of a gay pride parade loving people. You've got people that stand over on one side with hate-filled signs, screaming obscenities, uh, not representing the nature of Christ. And so I, I just want to address that and, you know, we'll kind of weave through. There's not a, there's not a one-size-fits-all, but there's a truth. There's a truth. And so... The, the, the theme that I want to carry is, so how should we then live? With all of this that's going on, how should we then live? If you're taking notes, and you should be, by the way. Number one, we should live separate. And separate does not mean avoid. Separate means not connected to, not interdependent 
not needing, not uh, endorsing, condoning, celebrating. Be ye separate, says the Lord. You don't hear that anymore. Well, Jesus was the friend of sinners. Yes, Jesus was their friend, but they were not his friends. Jesus would talk to and touch the lepers. Jesus would talk to the woman taken in adultery. But he would tell her, go and sin no more. We're in a generation now and a time where the church has not drew a clear line of what sin is. Jesus did not just judge. It said, he asked the woman taken in adultery, he said, woman, where are your accusers? She said, there are none, Lord. And he said, neither do I condemn thee, which meant sentence you. It's not time for sentencing. See, when he came the first time, he come as the lamb. When he comes the second time, he comes as the lion. When he comes the first time, he comes as the offering. When he comes the second time, he comes as the judge. I'll have people, you know, just want to argue, just want to, you know, John, you just hate. I'm like, you don't even know me. I don't hate people. I love people. I've spent my life loving people. They say, well, Jesus never even mentioned homosexuality. Well, yes, he did all through the Old Testament. The Bible says that he is the Word. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he spoke about that, just like he spoke about adultery, just like he taught about fornication and envy and pride and malice and all of those things, works of the flesh. Had a guy wrote me on my Facebook and uh, said that Jesus would have been downtown at the parade here in Macon, uh, hugging and loving on people. And I thought, you took a part of his nature and applied it in a contrary context. Now listen to your pastor. Jesus loved that woman taken in adultery. Jesus loved the woman at the well who had already had five husbands and the man she was living with now wasn't her husband. He loved them. But he never went to the place of their sin or, God forbid, the celebration of their sin and stood in support of. All Jesus had to do was go to the, to the high places where there were altars and uh, there, uh, false temples and there were temple prostitutes, heterosexual, bisexual, and homosexual. Engaging in sex in that day and time, the temple prostitutes it was taught that in the nirvana of, of climax, and most of us are adults, that a man is no closer, a woman is no closer to God. And in that worship, in that worship, that twisted form of I'm reaching out to God my way. And it's all the same to God. People will say, well, Jesus never mentioned it. Yeah, but he never went up there, did he? He never sat among that and condoned or celebrated. What we have to be clear about is separate does not mean we're the judge of the person. Separate means that we are separate from the lie and we stand with the truth. Because if there is no sin, 
then there can be no conviction. And if there is no conviction for something that doesn't exist, then there can be no repentance. And if there is no repentance, there can be no forgiveness. And if there is no forgiveness, all that's left is judgment. So what do you do, Brother John? I do what Christ did. Individually. I share the truth with them. Jesus told the woman taken in adultery. People love to say he didn't judge. Jesus didn't judge. He, he didn't come to judge. He came to die. But on her way out, when he didn't let men stone her, because these men, watch, here's the beauty of it. I may get to my notes. We'll, we'll see. It's all in here. It's been brewing. These men drugged this woman taken in, that was caught in the act of adultery in front of Jesus. First of all, I love that this made the Lord mad. God does not endorse, and he hates self-righteousness. But he also hates unrighteousness. So these men that did the dragging, first of all, how would they know her? Second of all, how would they know what she was doing? Just, just a thought. And thirdly, where was the other guy? Well, they knew Leroy, so they let him go. You know, and just, we go, so they drug, they drug this little woman and I'm, I'm not, again, I'm not trying to be crass, but this is real life. We're just talking real life. She's trying to cover her private parts. This precious, somebody's daughter. Sinful, yes, but so was every man that drug her and so was every man in the crowd and so was every person that ever lived sinful. So they drug her in front of Jesus and he said, they said, to me, this is one of the, the uh, greatest oxymorons in the scripture. So they're standing in front of the word of God and then they quote the word of God. I just thought that's just so funny. They said, Moses said in the law that she should die. What do you say? And the Bible said he just knelt down and started drawing in the ground. And I've heard preachers, he was writing the Ten Commandments. He was writing the Beatitudes. I think he was just mad. I, I think he was just like, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And he stood up and he said, okay, the law says stone her, which it does, which the law was a type, a shadow of things to come, which says all sin will be judged. See, the Bible wasn't written to tell us how to live. The Old Testament was written to show us that we couldn't live it. Okay, so Jesus said, okay. Moses says she should die. You who are without sin, throw the first stone. We'll start with you, old man. Would you like to go first? Or, uh, he laid his stone down. And beginning with the oldest under the youngest, they laid their stones down. And the, the, the unbeliever loves to quote the scripture to us that Jesus didn't judge her. No, he, he didn't. Now's not the time. If you look in the, in the original Greek, I'm not going to sentence you. But go and sin no more. That thing you're doing, that's the evidence of your separation from God and the wages of sin is death. Turn from that. Repent from that. But our generation is creating a, wor a, a, a world and a religion, a faith, that does not have a division between right and wrong, light and dark, truth and error. Who are you to say, I'm no one? What do you mean, who am I to say? I'm just a voice. But his word says, well, how do you know it's his word? Well, I just figure a God that can create the world can keep a canon of scripture together that 
communicates his truth. The most documented, preserved, accurate literary work in the history of the world. Atheist will tell you the same thing. The oldest, kept, proven. Uh, mathematicians will tell you that don't even believe that uh, God exists. That the prophecies in the Bible, all of them to happen, written 2,000 years before, to happen in one person, in one time frame, in the, in the way they did, culminating in them offering Jesus vinegar on the cross. The odds of those happening in one place at one time accurately, there's not a number for that. So, there's my introduction. So strap in. 2 Corinthians 6. Write this down, please. 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 18. And this is hard. But we've strayed so far from biblical literacy that we're letting the media dictate to us how we live in this world instead of God's word. Do not keep company with those that do not have faith. For what is there in common between righteousness and evil or light and dark? What agreement is there between Christ and the evil one? Or what part has one has faith with one that has not? And what agreement has the house of God with images? For you are a house, a house of the living God. And God has said, I will live among them and walk in them and I will be their God and they'll be my people. For which cause come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord, and let no unclean thing come near you. That unclean means immoral, sensual, depraved. Don't, don't partake and I will take you for myself and I'll be a father to you and you'll be my sons and daughters, says the Lord, ru ruler of all. That does not mean we don't speak to. That does not mean we aren't kind to. That does not mean we don't engage. It means that our separation into an, into an invisible kingdom ruled over by an invisible God is the evidence of God's existence. I don't do what you do. I don't do what I used to do because I've been born again. Just like I was born into the Wood family, I've been born into God's family. And the change is not because I'm anything. I was dead in my trespasses and sin. There was nothing in me that was good. There was nothing in me that was righteous. But God, by his grace, saved me and changed me. And I am not perfect, but my heart is renewed. And I know now when I sin, and instead of practicing it or celebrating it or rationalizing it, I am convicted by a spirit that you can't see. And, and our living separate is the evidence of that. When you're a Christian, did you know you can do anything you used to do? You just can't enjoy it. Anybody else, without, I'm not going to call you and ask for details, but in the history of your walk with the Lord, I backslid. Brother Wood, straight up backslid. And I sampled and or buffeted my old sins. And I was the most miserable person that ever lived on the face of the earth. I want you to hold it up high. Dear Lord, y'all are normal people. <laughs> ruined. You're ruined. A backslidden Christian is the most miserable person on the face of the earth because they have enough of God that they can't enjoy the world and enough of the world that they can't enjoy God and they're mean as a snake. Just mean. Because you've been given a different spirit. And we can't love the world 
And we can't live in this world because this world's not our home. We can't. We're strangers, aliens, illegal aliens. All that's in the news. This is not our home. Why would I fit in with a system, a belief system that hates my God? Why why would I want to fit in with a world that draws pictures of my Savior on a cross in a vial of urine? How could I side with a person? And listen, I want to say it again. I want to say it again. I want to say it again. I am not political. I do not have a party. My primary candidate has never won. Just write that down. Who I wanted never won. Okay? But we have Christians siding with any man, black, white, red, green, yellow, Republican, prime, uh, uh, Democrat, independent, doesn't matter, that murders millions of children, that hates Israel. Listen, if you're Republican and, and you are pro-abortion and anti-Israel, and, and, and against the sanctity of marriage, I can't walk with you. Now, I'm as guilty as you are. How many of your sins match up? I'm, I'm as guilty as you are, but I'm sane now. My life proved that I was insane. The choices we make, anybody else lives stupid. So I'm, not, I'm, not ju- I'm just saying, as a Christian, I can't walk with you. I can't, I can't walk with you. Well, what about all this other? There's no candidate qualified. I'm not endorsing the candidate. All of them are crazy. Every one of them's crazy. Every one of them's crazy. God, send us somebody. That, uh, anyway, and I, somebody will write me saying, you're pr- no, I'm not. But as Christians, our platform is the word of God. And that's a fine line when you're put between choosing evil, insane, and classless, take your pick. But make sure you don't pick against the Word of God. Now, none of them are living by that. And we're not, exposed, we're not supposed to make the world live according to scriptures of a God that they don't know. But I can't walk in agreement with that. I can't walk beside that. So, Brother Wood, what would you do about the parade? I'm, nothing. I'm not going to stand and scream against anybody. I'm going to live as salt and light. And my friends that I have, that that happens to be their sin, just like fornication happened to be my sin, and drunkenness happened to be my sin, and perversion happened to be my sin, I want to stand in opposition to that while loving them, letting them know that you were as guilty as I was guilty. And we needed a Savior. We need a Savior. To say, and they shall call his name Jesus, for he will save them from their sins. Not from the penalty of sin, but from the sins, the reborn, the renature. And I don't, I, I'm sorry, and I'm not sorry. Uh, you can't win someone to Christ living like the world. It's, it's a contrary message. You don't, go, you don't say, hey, let's walk over here. You live here, and they see light and salt. Now, if you're mean and holy, those don't go together. 
If someone, you know, I heard a guy preach on hell, at least he preached. Well, he preached it like he wanted me to go there. Uh, the guy's not right. We're supposed to live separate. No, I can't go there. Well, we want you to come. I can't do that. Well, I come. And you don't judge them. As a matter of fact, I tell people that invite me, you know, I'll say, well, is, is this going to be there? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm not going. Oh, I'm not judging you. I'm judging me. That's not who I am. And I just don't want to take part. Salt and light. Light does not scream. Do you see these lights above us? Even though they're very bright. If you walk in a room and anybody knows their friends have Q-beams in their house, you know, spotlights, and you walk in, you oh my goodness, or you walk outside. We're not supposed to be that as Christians. Hello, do you see my light? And just put people's eyes out. You see how great and different I am and sanctified? And they're just, their retina's melting, you know, they're like this. You know what light's job is? Light's job is to be so effective that you never see it, but its surroundings are, limit, are illuminated. To where if I live at work and I live among you, you ought to be able to see clearly the path to Christ. Light, salt, different. One of the first people I ever led to the Lord was my buddy Ben. I went to Skipper's one night on a date. And uh, um, I went to Booth 10 Skipper's downtown. And it was uh, right as they were opening up and it hadn't got busy. And he came and sat down. Um, the person I was with went to the restroom. He said, John, can I talk to you just a minute? I've been saved just a couple weeks. I mean, the alcohol hadn't even worked its way out of my system yet. Any former drunks know what I'm talking about? You still got your, your little mist on you and you, you know. So I'm sitting at the table and he said, uh, can I talk to you just a second? I said, yeah. He goes, I've watched you. You made it. I said, what? He goes, you made it out, didn't you? I said, yeah. He goes, you're not the same guy, are you? Can you save me? And I said, no. But God can. And I shared the gospel. And the gospel was not, God loves you, you're amazing. The gospel was, let me walk over here with you. Sitting in booth 10, I said, Ben, there's none righteous, no, not one. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. God judges you. you are, you're a sinner and you merit death. Do you agree with that assessment? And he said, yes. Now the, gospel, now the good news of the gospel. But the good news is that God loves you so much that he gave his only son to die in your place. And instead of giving you the, the earnings of your sin, he gives you the gift of eternal life. Do you accept that? And he said, yeah. Prayed with me at Booth 10. The person come and join me at my table. Literally, this is how it happened. He stood up and he goes, what would y'all like to drink? And I like a tea, got a Coca-Cola. And he walked back, born again. Changed. What you see now, this love, love, just silent love while they die. Sil oh, just love, just love. 
while the scripture tells us, and whosoever's name was found not written in the Lamb's book of life shall be cast alive into a lake that burns with fire, and the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever. Oh, you're okay, you're okay. Here's what the Christian does. We live separate, but when our paths cross, we love and we identify and we share our story of our sinfulness and our failures and how we were without hope and without help and without God. And God found us in our hiding place and rescued us. And there's no difference between you and I. Dead in sin is dead in sin. Some Christians think, that, well, look at those people. And not levels of dead, folks. Well, I wasn't as dead as they was. Yes, you were. Probably worse. Well, there's nothing worse than what's going on today. Uh-huh, self-righteousness. That's a sermon. I need to go back and hit that one time. Anyway, okay. We got one point done. Woo! Well, one sub-point. Here's the sub-point. Ben, if you come on up, we're going to see how far we can get in number one. But that gave you the good foundation for the series. All right. We should live separate, letter A, because that's what strangers do, aliens do. It's not my home. I don't, I don't go in Annabelle and Jeff's house like I do in my mama's house. I go in Jeff's and Annabelle's house, and they say, come on in, sit down. I sit down. I go in my mama's house. What do you do, boys? Go right in the refrigerator. What you got in here, mama? Oh, baby, I got you some ribs and a diet do, show do, and then some corn casserole. Mm-hmm. This world, we live in it, but it's not home. Let me ask you something. You got more of your stuff in my house or in your house? Come on. Oh, okay. Why? Because it's your... Christians are supposed to have more on that side than this side. Letter B, we should live separate because God commands us to. Can you imagine the man that tells his wife, can you imagine, first of all, I'd never get past grandma. Grandma would kill me. My, my, my sweet mother-in-law, Mama Bear, you don't mess with her babies, Jack. I mean, just can you imagine if I told Kelly, Kelly, I'm going to love you. I'm going to take care of you. I got you two life insurance policies. I'm going I'm to lose weight again. I'm going to really take care. I'm going to do all these things for you. But I just want to fool around every now and then. But I'll let you know who they are. I want us to be open and honest and I'll send you their picture and everything. And you go, what are you talking about? Well, just love. Love wins, baby. Just love me. First of all, before Kelly would kill me, Grandma would kill me. And then Kelly would wake me up and kill me. And then Rebecca would kill me. And then Kathy would drive down from north and she'd, whatever's left, we'd spread the remains out and feed them to gators. You know, you go, but wait, no, no, love, love. Wait, no, 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 no. Love doesn't win, truth wins. You're my husband. And we as Christians are the bride of Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean as her husband, I'm supposed to walk by and curse every woman or every attractive woman no it just means I live unto her I come home unto her flawed and all I'm hers and we've got this idea as Christians that God has sent us away from him asking us to be unfaithful with the world to win people 
No, no. We love, but we love Him first. If my wife came home with the clone of another man on, it would utterly emasculate me. The foundation of all that we hold precious would be broken or shook. And the church is teaching Christians to do that today. The power of my testimony is not how close I am to the world. The power of my testimony is how close I am to Jesus Christ. And then tender, tender with the world. But we can't compromise truth. We're to live separate because that's what born-again believers do. We live separate because that is what is necessary for us to reach others. We live separate because God not only judges individually, but He judges in groups. The Bible says, for this reason does the wrath of God fall upon the children of disobedience. Some Christians, and if y'all will give me about five minutes, I just want, there's so much swirling in my head, I just want to kind of sew it together so we can start back up next week if Jesus tears. Some Christians think it's their job to try to change the culture of the world. No, no, not at all. Don't try to change an unbeliever. I've heard Christian grandmas, you know, old people, when they get old, they just tell people what they think. And so here's somebody not saved. You shouldn't live like that. You're dressing like some kind of, I don't know, like some kind of hoochie or something. I don't. And they'll cuss the little girl and little girl's not saved. Look at you. Or they'll, you know, try to instill Christian virtues in some boy that plays video games all day. Yeah, daddy would roll over in his grave. Well, the boy is, first of all, he's ignorant, he's unsaved, uneducated, and he's brain dead. And you're trying, you're trying to get pears out of an apple tree, you know. That's not our job. My job is not to change the culture. My job is to live contrary to the culture and be an example of someone as flawed, if not more flawed than the person watching me who's been changed. And listen, my freedom, my freedom proves that Jesus Christ is Lord. My new heart proves that Jesus Christ is Lord. My obedience to a king that you've never seen proves that Jesus Christ is Lord. And it proves that if I can be saved, anybody can be saved. Nobody's supposed to feel small around a Christian. They're supposed to feel hope. Can I tell you something real silly, but it'll close up good? How can you find silly at a time like this? It's a gift. It's a gift. I have, I have that ability. Four years ago, when I was going down for back surgery, um, I'm not one of those guys that just can watch, you know, seven seasons of something on TV. You know, I don't know how y'all do it. Um, I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and get my realtor's license. And I'm not one of those pastors. I can't stand it. Pastor, you know, is, well, I pastor and I sell life insurance and I've got a used car lot and I Amway. And, you know, you don't, you, when you see them coming, you don't know what's going on. So. So when I got my license, I one time on Facebook put a thing and said, hey, I got my license, whatever. But anyway, I was preparing for this license, and I wasn't a good student when I was a student. You follow me? And I got something against Central High School. Just thought I'd tell you. It, 
it is my fault that I did not study, but it's your fault that you passed me. Uh, Hey, I am responsible for my stupid, but I graduated and went to Mercer and tested at a ninth grade education. And I had to take all these courses and I'm like, and, and they don't count? No, they don't count. In essence, you're dumb as a plate. No, they don't count. So I get this realtor's, I'm going to take my realtor's license, and I just figure instead of, for me, instead of having a hobby, I'd like my hobby to help, you know, mama needs a new pair of shoes, baby needs, you know, that kind of thing. So I'm, take, I'm studying this, and this is different than studying the Bible for me. When I study the Bible, I'm thinking of y'all, I'm crying, I'm seeing myself. It ain't moving me like the Bible does. And I'm reading about water rights and, you know, laws of contract. It's like pulling nails with your teeth. Do you know what college does? This is going to be your favorite closing of all. Do you know what college does? Except for the narrow, specific majors. College teaches you to do stuff you're not interested in and do it with excellence. That's what you, that's what you learn to do. So I'm doing this real estate course, and I'm, I'm having trouble. I'm, 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 not, I'm not like the young person would say, I'm not feeling it. I'm just maybe... And in our generation, your daddy said, oh, I'll let you feel it. Come here. I'll get you moving. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm just quitting. I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling it. I don't know if it was my buddy Gene Kernigan or not. It might have been you. And Gene was a very successful realtor broker before there was uh, Sheridan Solomon Kernigan. That's him. So I, just a, a plug from yonder year. And Gene's a wonderful, godly man. But it was he, him or someone else told me, they said, John, Go look at homes and land. I'm like, what? Just go get your homes and land. So I did. And he said, look at all the pictures of all the realtors. And you got to look and, and quite frankly, some of them didn't look so smart. Some of them were missing teeth. Seriously. Some of them had Pentecostal beehive working. Some of them were wearing clothes from yesteryear with their picture on their orange shag carpet. I'm serious. If you, just, just go humor me. Go get your homes and land and look at all the realtors. You know what he said? He said, every one of those passed the test. And I, I'm telling you, I had an epiphany. I went, I'm going to make it. I, it, was, it was done. I said, whoo, I got to be smart as Mildred. I got, I got to be able to pass this test. So for anyone visiting or anyone watching online that thinks this is a message that the Christians are great and you're not. No, 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 no. Here's what I am. When you look at someone as worthless and hopeless and perverted and sinful as me that God saved, you ought to say, if, God, if he's a Christian, I can walk out of darkness into light. I can walk out of bondage into freedom. I can walk out of sin into holiness. How will they know unless we live? How will they know unless we're free? How will they know unless we enjoy God as much as we used to enjoy clubbing? How will they know? They watch you. They watch you and they watch you. We have to live separate to prove that there's a separate world and a separate life. And only God can give it. 
that make sense? So we are the Homes and Land magazine. And all our friends go, mmm, mm, if grief can make it, Lord, here. Y'all stand with us this morning. One of our ushers, if you would tell Children's Church, three minutes, we'll be, we'll be finished. We usually try to stop at 1130. I want you to stand for this. And if you'll turn our lights down, I asked Brian to play this song. I, I was raised on hymns. Anybody else? I know them all. You can go 30 years and not hear them in one play, and you just know it. And my mom called me this week and said, I've just been singing this hymn over and over in my spirit. And this is the first time I can remember my Christian life. I said, I never heard it. She goes, John. I said, just, maybe I was playing hooky that day. I don't know. I just never, never heard it. But I think this song, whether you've heard it or not, if this can be the prayer of our heart as we leave today, and Mama, this is for you, this, this, this hymn today. I want you just to let this close us out and then you just be dismissed in the presence of the Lord. My soul and the Savior, not of this world or my fondest dreams. I have renounced sin and all of its pleasures. Jesus is mine. There's nothing between.